there are many things for which we can be thankful. I think one of them is our worship arts department, including the Sanctuary Choir, all of our, our other ensembles, gospel ensemble. Um, it's amazing what we have here at Resurrection MCC. There's so much to be thankful for, amen? If you just look to your right and look to your left, look up, look down, look at yourself. There's so much to be thankful for, right? In MCC, we have experienced many things in the fight for LGBT equality. We've had some bumps in the road, but I tell you, we just got through a historic election this past season. It was definitely one we will remember for a long time in terms of LGBT equality. In addition to the re-election of a president who came out in support of marriage equality, we saw the voters of Minnesota strike down a proposal that would outlaw and ban gay marriage. And not just that, we saw the people of Maryland, of Washington, and Maine vote to allow gay marriage in their states. People of God, we can give thanks that equality for same-gender loving people is no longer something the voters of this country are voting against, but they are voting for. Amen? Now, what many folks might not know, especially in MCC, when you look at the timeline for the, in the fight for LGBT equality, MCC has always been at the forefront of the fight. MCC ministers, elders, different churches have always been involved in different social actions and social movements, especially as it relates to public policy. Many people don't know that many MCC ministers helped found many of the LGBT equality organizations of the 70s and 80s. And a matter of fact, many of those organizations, because of their success, led to the success that we just had this past week. Reverend Adam Duvall, former director of MCC's Washington, D.C.'s office, was a founding board member of the Gay Rights National Lobby in 1976. Reverend Elder Don Eastman, who is currently the uh, executive pastor at MCC Toronto, he served as a board member when the Right to Privacy Foundation was founded as a think tank for LGBT equality and public policy. And our very own former Resurrection MCC pastor, Reverend Elder Jerry Ann Harvey, was on the board of the Human Rights Campaign Fund when it was incorporated in D.C. in 1982. Now, what many people don't know is all three of these organizations eventually merged to form what we now know as the HRC, as the Human Rights Campaign, which is an extensive work in terms of public policy and equality for gays, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgender folk. MCC just doesn't work, though, with a particular uh, political uh, uh, side, if you will. MCC works with political leaders and policymakers across the spectrum. It's something we can be thankful for. Did you know also that Reverend Don Eastman also served as a founding board member and the first chairperson of the AIDS National Interfaith Network, an organization created to ensure that individuals with HIV and AIDS would receive compassionate care and support. And in June of 1990, Reverend Elder Eastman was invited to the White House for the ceremony with President George H.W. Bush when he signed the Americans with Disabilities Act, prohibiting employment discrimination against those folks living with HIV and AIDS. Now, these are just a couple of examples. There are so many other stories of how MCC is involved. And I want to tell you all, you should be grateful you should be thankful that you are a part of this prophetic ministry and this tradition that just doesn't impact here in Houston 
in Texas, but around the country and in fact the world. Thank you for being a part of it all. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks this day. God, we affirm your presence in this very room. We affirm your loving presence in our very souls, God. God, we invite you to help us to open up our hearts to receive. Open up our ears to hear and our eyes to see, God. May our lives be changed as we open ourselves to experience gratitude and to give thanks where thanks is deserved. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, Amen. Real quickly, I want to uh, uh, recognize, um, I believe, Reverend Kathy Alexander, the Minister of Connections from Washington, D.C., uh, the MCCDC Church. A friend of ours, Reverend Dwayne Johnson, is the pastor there. She's visiting with us today. Will you stand up, Kathy? Let the people recognize you. We are thankful for so many connections around the world. I want to ask you, people of God, are you thankful for your nakedness? Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that in this black robe. Who knows? For some of us, it might make us uncomfortable, but for a lot of others, we're very comfortable. I bet, so, you know, for some, it might say, you know, no, I, I'm not very comfortable being naked in church, if you will, right? Maybe in your bedroom, Maybe at the house, maybe with you and your partner, but not in church, right? But even still, even still, we could get naked if we wanted to. Oh, I got an amen over here. <laughs> but you might be a little uncomfortable. After all, it is a little bright in here, right? <laughs> there are a lot of people around. We have mirrors now in the sanctuary to see things we might have never seen before but what if i asked are you ready to get spiritually naked what does that mean we get a little clue from the gospel of mark this morning jesus talks about scribes now who are these people he talks about these uber religious folks who walk around clothed in long robes <laughs> they go around spouting their theological beliefs they love to pray in public in rooms full of people they love to impress others with their religiosity in fact they've built up a collection of religious wardrobes and have learned to wear layer upon layer upon layer and in doing so they have covered the very imprints of god on their soul and as much as we would like them to uncover their nakedness in the story, to authentically reconnect with and appreciate spirit again, they have too much pride. And I wonder, people of God, if sometimes it's the same situation with us. Are we really willing to strip away the wardrobes that have been given to us over the years? You know what I'm talking about. Those wardrobes that uh, tell us who's in and who's out in terms of heaven and hell. Those wardrobes that tell everyone they're not the right kind of Christian. Wardrobes that keep people from receiving communion every Sunday. Wardrobes that keep people from experiencing the love of God in a faith community. Wardrobes that show people how religious we are because we can quote 100 scriptures from the King James Bible. The wardrobes that tell people what sex practices are okay and which are not. 
People of God, are we willing to uncover our nakedness and start fresh every day? That is, not having any preconceived notions of how God operates in our lives. For a moment, just forget everything you've ever tried to figure out. Everything that you try to box up and give to your loved ones. Are you willing to look in the mirror and be completely naked before God? Experience something new. You might still say no, but I'm going to challenge you because over the next few weeks, we will be walking up to the mirror here and the mirrors right in front of you. Slowly but surely, we're going to remove one layer at a time all of the religiosity, religiosity that we've accumulated. We want to uncover God who lives within us. In his book, Brian McLaren gives us 12 simple words to guide our spiritual journeys as we reconnect with God. Today, we are focusing on gratitude, thankfulness. So forget about what you learned in Sunday school growing up. I dare you to put down the catechisms Put down the creeds just for a little while and just give thanks. Forget about trying to get the best seats in church like the scribes and just give thanks. Forget worrying about what others think of you and how you act and simply give God thanks. Forget about not singing the right notes while the choir is offering up their anthems or leading us in congregational hymns. Just sing out loud and proud and give God thanks. Brian McLaren, scriptures, they all teach us that a spiritual life in its most authentic state begins by giving thanks. We must appreciate the goodness of God all around us. And to start that process, all we have to do is open our eyes. It's what Jesus does. He opens his eyes and he sees the ungrateful scribes. He sees those super religious folks. But he opens his eyes and he also sees something new. A woman, one of the most grateful individuals he has ever encountered. She's actually a widow who goes up to the treasury and she drops two coins in. And of course, these two coins pale in comparison to what all the other folks are giving. But it is all she can afford. In fact, it's quite sizable for a woman who has very little to begin with in the first century. She is practicing gratitude and giving thanks for the goodness of God in her life. Amen. Yes. Oh, when things are going well, it's so easy to give thanks, right? Yes, when your family members graduate from school, it's easy to give thanks. When your car is running smooth and you've got a great job and you get a raise, it can be very easy to give thanks, right? But what about when things aren't going so good? What is it with this woman? We have to ask ourselves, what is going so well in her life, really? Think about it. She isn't rich. She has no husband, no spouse. She's a poor widow who has fallen through the cracks of the social safety net in her society. She's without a husband or family to care for her. She has no social security whatsoever. She is a symbol for every person who's been exploited, oppressed, and left on the margins. Everyone who's been forgotten, that's this widow. She's had a rough life in which the world has not treated her like the child of God that she is. And so really, why? Why is she so thankful to the point where she would give God literally everything she has? It's irrational, is it not? Is that how we should uh, live our lives? Should we be like this when life treats us like crap? Really? 
When tragedy strikes, when you lose a loved one way too early in their life, and you're grieving and you're hurt and you are upset, is that right? Are you supposed to give thanks? When our rights and our bodies have been violated by so many folks, when crap happens every day of our lives, are we supposed to drop down and give thanks to God and the universe for the situation that we find ourselves in? Really? As uneasy as I am to admit it, I do think that this widow in the gospel is being careful. She's being very careful to always be grateful. You see, she's careful. I don't think she goes home at night. I don't think she goes home and, cr and cries out to God, thank you, God, for this life of misery. I don't think she goes home and says, thank you, God, for allowing me to be a punching bag for all of my neighbors and people at work. I don't think she goes home to say, thank you that I can suffer every day while so many others live much better lives. I mean, really. Even Jesus on the cross said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think this widow is thankful for her husband being dead at all. But I do think that she has developed a certain attitude that no matter what life seems to throw at her, she is still thankful that she has an opportunity to respond at whatever curveball her circumstances give her. You see, she gives thanks for the opportunity to not let her worries and her worrisome misfortunes have the last word in her life. No matter what comes about, she is careful to be grateful for the possibility that just maybe, just maybe something good could come out of a tragic circumstance. You see, not even widowhood, not even poverty, not the arrogance of the scribes, not the hatefulness of the super-religious people. Not even they can keep her from giving God thanks and worshiping her God. No one can keep her from investing in the lives of people, from investing in the community of faith. You see, for her, for the opportunity to be spiritually naked before God, she is careful to be grateful. German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that in the ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give, and that it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. Beautiful words, huh? Beautiful words. You'd imagine that he's living in retirement somewhere with his family after a long, distinguished career as a pastor and an academic. Oh, but not so. You see, Dietrich has the nerve. He has the audacity to lift up gratitude as he was being incarcerated in Nazi Germany. He's fighting anti-Semitic and inhumane policies of the Hitler regime. Before he was ultimately hung by the Nazis, before the war ended, he continued to give thanks for the opportunity to oppose Hitler and fight hate with the love of Christ. Even Dietrich was always careful to be grateful. Tony Kushner wrote the 1993 Pulitzer Prize and Tony Award-winning play, Angels in America, which was later made into an HBO miniseries. How many of you have seen it? Yes, quite a few. It won both Emmy and Golden Globe Awards. If you don't know, the story is set in the 1980s at the outset of the AIDS epidemic. One individual named Pryor, recently diagnosed with AIDS. To make matters worse, when Pryor informs his boyfriend of what has happened, 
his boyfriend leaves him high and dry. I can't do this, he says. And so Pryor is literally left naked. He's left vulnerable. He's left in fear. And he seeks the comfort of his good friend and ex-lover Belize, who is as real as any character you will ever experience on the stage or on TV. For example, he doesn't describe a dark, heavy sky as purple. He calls it mauve. He will not tell you that you are full of crap. Oh, no. He's got a little more color in his language. He'll tell you that you're so full of piping hot crap that the mere mention of your name draws flies. <laughs> That's colorful, huh? You can see that image. But he is brutally honest in his relationships with people. He can come off as something, uh, sometimes as a cynical queen, but when his friends need him, you know where he stands. He is one of the most caring caregivers you will ever see. When Pryor finds out he has AIDS, in a time before antiretroviral medications, and in a time when a diagnosis is literally a death sentence, it is Belize who comforts him, tries to help him to get a new experience, if you will. And one of those experiences comes unexpectedly at a funeral they attend. It's for a famous local drag queen who also passed away from AIDS. Now imagine now, a scene at the church funeral. You've got straight folks and gay folks, People in dreamy drag and leather. You've got priests, you've got Protestants, you've got agnostics. You've got broken down boys and grieving girls all coming together to mourn, wondering how much more pain will come their way as all of their loved ones keep dying day by day. They come into church thinking they may not be the best of anything. They may not have the best of anything. And then in their midst, a holy one in drag not a preacher, not a priest, but one who's dressed in fabulous righteousness. She takes the mic and leads a hymn of thanks to show them and show us all what it's like that you can even give a hymn of thanks when you feel like you're the least of all. I may not be the best at anything or I have the best of anything sometimes.
I've been to a few church funerals that were just like that. All of them in MCC, of course. The first time I saw this scene, I was in an Episcopal seminary, thinking of MCC. And I saw this clip, and it made ministry real. When people who have been shunned from church, when people who have been told that they aren't worth the ground that they walk on, when they decide to say, you know what, I don't care what you say, I'm still going to go to church, and I'm still going to worship my God. That's powerful. People who are naked, authentically being themselves, without preconceived notions, people who have been kicked out of their families and their homes, and they turn around and say, you know what, I may not have a place in my family of origin, but thank God I've got a family of choice, right? You've got people who have been relegated to the marginalized status in our country saying you don't deserve equal rights, and yet they turn around and say, we don't care what you say. We are still going to march in the streets. We are still going to sign petitions, and we are going to recruit and organize and make sure that we have equality for all folks, especially our LGBT brothers and sisters. It is an amazing thing when you give thanks when all things are great. But how much more powerful, how much more powerful when tragedy or difficult circumstances come your way and you say, you know what, I'm still going to give thanks. I'm still going to give thanks because I have an opportunity to make something out of this tragedy. Hopefully something good may come about. People of God, it's something that if we can hold on to, miracles will be able to happen like never before. Tragedy will never face us like it has in the past. There are so many of us who experience hardship after hardship, and yet still, after all that, we find a space to be grateful, to respond, to not let anything have the last word except God within us. Amen? People who experience a naked spirituality, not because we want to. Sometimes it's because we have to, because we've been stripped of everything else. It's all been taken away from us. So we have to start anew. Life has been stripped for so many of us. But remember, people like Jesus, people like the widow, people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, people like Pryor and Belize and all the characters and angels in America, I dare say people in this very room, you are a testimony that you can still rise from the ashes and give thanks and still offer your two coins to still worship the God you want to worship to still fight for the inherent dignity of every person. And when you look in that mirror, you're not just giving thanks for all the people around you. You're giving thanks for the beautiful creation that you are. People of God, be people of gratitude today and every day. Amen.